Hey, Conscious Thinkers, you are listening to the Ignorance Conscience Podcast, a station dedicated to sharing the stories behind the stats and strives to change the world one truth at a time. My name is October, and every Friday we sit down and create an open space to talk about how everyday social justice issues like race, gender, ethnicity, disability, you name it, we talk about it and how we can solve them. Our hope is that as we expose these social justice problems to the light of day and speak truth to them, then the more visible they become, and then hopefully we're that much closer to solving them. After the episode, the conversation continues over in our Conscious Thinkers Facebook group that is linked in the show notes down below. Hopefully you want to join a group that is dedicated to acting justly, living consciously, and loving always. Please pop in. I can't wait to see you there and to hear more about your conscious journey. And remember that no one can silence you but you, so be conscious and rise up. Let's get started. Hey thinkers, okay, I hope you are ready for this one because I am so excited. We had the amazing Gabrielle Burton on today and she is, oh gosh, I don't even know how to describe all that she is. She is a marriage and family therapist in Nevada. She is a singer, a writer, a speaker, all the other things that you could put into creativity combined. And she comes and talks to us about how she uses her creative background in her therapy. So how you at home and how she also does this in her own offices can use creativity to help you work through your mental health issues. It was such a pleasure talking to you, Gabrielle. Thank you for coming on. You are such a wealth of knowledge that I was so happy to tap into. So let me shut up so you can hear the knowledge that she shared. Let's get started. Hey, Gabrielle, I'm so excited that we were finally able to sit down and have this interview. Yes, thank you so much for having me. No problem. Would you mind introducing yourself and all the awesome things that you do so that our listeners know who you are? (laughs) Sure. So my name is Gabrielle Burton. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist intern. Um, I see clients at Lake Mead Wellness Center in Henderson, and also at St. Jude's Ranch for Children um, in Boulder City, Nevada. And I am a public speaker and a writer and a creative and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) (laughs) And how did you get uh, started and involved with therapy? Yeah, well, actually, it's funny. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family like we all have. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, my family was Uh, I just kind of came from a broken home. My mom was an on and off single mom with four kids. We moved around every six months to a year and I've had more first days of school than anybody I know. And so um, I just remember growing up thinking, gosh, there's got to be a better way to, you know, be able to maintain relationships and not, you know, deal with divorces and all all that kind of stuff. And then um, at 15, I moved in with my dad and my dad is a narcissist and he was mentally, emotionally, and spiritually abusive. And so that led me into dealing with uh, severe anxiety and depression in college. Um, and so around that time, I really felt like my life was just falling apart. And I would go to a doctor and the doctor wanted to medicate all my symptoms away. And I would go to a uh, nutritionist and they wanted to tell me what I needed to eat in order to feel better. And then I would go to a pastor and they wanted to pray all of my symptoms away. And I kind of just eventually realized that it, it was 
everything. And so uh, therapy is able to take a very holistic approach um, because we're therapists are very systemic. And so we don't just look at depression, but we look at like your family lineage. We look at your socioeconomic status. We look at your race, your religion, um, you know, your geography, where you live, you know, just things like that, that could actually contribute to what you're experiencing. And so therapy has just been so helpful for me in order to become um, whole and healthy um, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so I wanted to get into the field so that I could help people experience the amount of just healing that I've experienced myself. And I personally can't take my clients any further than I've gone myself. And so I can say I've, I've gone through some stuff. And so um, I really do feel like I'm able to help offer a lot of support to my clients absolutely and thank you so much for sharing sure absolutely and I really wanted to talk to you because you were the first person to introduce me to this and since we started talking a couple months ago I've been researching into it but you do a lot of artistic therapy can you talk about like what that is and how you began to use art with your clients Absolutely. Um, so I myself am a creative. I grew up singing and dancing and just always being on stage. And therapy or um, art has always been very like healing for me. It's just a way where I'm able to just express myself when we listen to lyrics. You know, we're able to connect with a song because sometimes it's just able to communicate and put words to what we're feeling. Um, movies, you know, are able to evoke emotion out of us. Um, sometimes you look at a painting or um, you know, a drawing, and you just really can feel and connect to that piece of art. And so I use what's called like an um, experiential technique, experiential therapy. It is a technique where I use different tools to help a client figure out what is their creative expression. And so I've actually had a client that is able to express himself through words, like so they, they write. And so I actually had a client that I had to start writing their stories and they they put it on like an app where they're able to share their story with the world and they started getting a bunch of followers and every week she would update her chapter and it was really cool because it was like loosely based off of her life mm -hmm. and so each week she would add a chapter and she was able to have conversations with her father that had actually passed away. So she never got to have these conversations, but in her story, she got to write it as if she did. So it was like she was getting that closure that she never had. And then we would get to talk about it in therapy and process that. And it was just a really cool way to see her write the story, rewrite her story. In therapy, there's a, a, an approach called narrative therapy, which is where you're able to rewrite your story. And so that was literally her rewriting her story, sharing it with the world, and getting healing through the process. So I've done that with some of my clients. I also have some clients that are like actors. And so I've had them find monologues that maybe help me understand how they're feeling. Um, or music, I'll say, hey, find a song that is talking about how you're feeling right now. And then we'll kind of dissect the lyrics. Or sometimes I'll say, let's find a, a track, like a song that you like, and we'll pull up a track, and then I'll have them write their own lyrics to the track. So just things like that that just helps them, you know, kind of uh, put, you know, put some creative spin on how they're feeling. I've noticed that a lot of creatives tend to feel deeper than uh, people that wouldn't necessarily consider themselves creative. 
And so it's just important that there is an outlet to be able to release those emotions. So that's, that's generally what I do. And it's a lot of fun. I love just being able to help people tap into that creative side. Creativity is super important because it, it helps stimulate what's called divergent thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, convergent thinking is where everyone thinks the same, where, you know, like how our society, maybe the narrative is you go to school, you get a degree, you get married, um, you have 2.5 kids, a white picket fence, and a dog. And so that's kind of the narrative of, you know, culture. But convergent thinking is actually, I think there might be a different way to live life. And it could look like, you know, maybe, maybe I don't want to have kids. Maybe I don't want to get married. Uh, maybe I want to uh, adopt a child and be single, you know? So it's, it's thinking, uh, maybe I want to be a business owner. So creativity helps stimulate that type of thinking where you're able to think outside the box because it lights up both sides of the brain. So I think it's important for, for everybody to, to tap into creativity in their own way. I love that. And I'm, do you mind explaining a little bit of your process of how you help your own clients tap into that creativity so that maybe people at home, if like they don't know exactly where their creative lies, how you help your clients figure that out so that people at home can start to figure it out and tap into that creative side? Yeah, I lo- that's such a great question. I think a lot of times people get super, super like intimidated when they hear the word creativity. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because I didn't think I was creative up until maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. And like I've been doing therapy for, for two years now outside of grad school, but I didn't, I didn't really think I was creative up until three years ago. And I used to think creativity was you were a songwriter or you were a dancer or like, like trained ballet or jazz or contemporary. Like I, I kind of had this idea of what creative, a creative person looked like. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of put creativity in a box, that's where we are wrong. And it wasn't until I started hanging out with friends that were not as, for me, I was, I'm a very driven person. And so when I was in grad school, I went to grad school. I worked 40 hours a week at a doctor's office at the front desk. And then I saw clients on my day off. And so I really just was always like, go, go, go work, work, work. I never had time to sit around and watch a movie. I would always, I was reading or writing a paper. So I just didn't really have time to like allow myself to like decompress really. And uh, when I started hanging out with some of my creative friends, they would take me on hike and um, got me out of my normal environment. And I just started kind of like appreciating nature and just Um, I started doing some meditation, which actually really helped a lot, where it kind of slowed me down. And then I started realizing the importance of doing things that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, I started, like, my friend taught me how to make candles. And that was, like, really cool. Like, I was like, oh, look at me being creative. And I would start, like, gluing jewelry onto, like, the mason jars of, like, these candles that I was making. Um, and then I started making earrings and then I turned around and started selling them, but it was just really cool to just sit down and just create something. And it's like, that wasn't what my thought of, of creativity was. Mm -hmm. So I just allowed myself to try new things. And I think that that's really what it is. When I work with my clients, um, a lot of times I can, I can hear when they're talking, I'm able to kind of pull out, like I can kind of hear like, Oh, do you like to write? I feel like you like to write. Like I'm able to kind of pick up just like by the way they speak about certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but sometimes I'll also just encourage movement because movement is also important with helping getting like the creative juices flowing. So like uh, if you like workout classes or like um, yoga or just any type of moving your body helps you become like kind of reach a higher level of consciousness so that you are able to allow yourself to create. So I really just kind of see what my clients are already doing and then just kind of encourage them to do more of it. Sometimes in session, I might put on music, like just instrumental music, and I'll give them like a piece of paper and just say, I want you to just kind of either, I'll give them like a prompt. Like I might say, I want you to kind of just draw or write whatever comes to mind when you, I'll give them like a word and say, when you hear this word, what comes to mind, you know, and that allows them to kind of start brainstorming and becoming creative. And then we start building off of that. So each session is obviously different. And I would say not everybody would say think that they're creative, but creativity really is just allowing yourself to try new things and come up with different ways of how to solve a problem and thinking outside the box. It doesn't have to look like a specific art form. I love that. And I love that idea of redefining creativity because it, I mean, it sounds like from that broader definition that everyone can be creative and that's kind of like a necessity. Mm-hmm. It totally is. It was so funny. I was actually driving on the freeway the other day and I saw this car and uh, there, the back window had been blown out and they had a, a pillow in the window and they had like duct tape around the, the uh, like the frame of the window to hold the pillow in there. And I, you know what I said? I said, you know what? That's creative. <laughs> like, you know, it's creative. Right. And even if you think about people that are like in desperate, desperate needs or, you know, maybe in like lower income uh, situations, they get creative on how to feed their families. Right. And so we use that term. Wow. That's creative. We get creative. And so it really is just about coming up with new ways to solve a problem. So when you're allowing yourself to be creative, let's say you're experiencing depression, when you allow yourself to be creative, you're allowing yourself to come up with new solutions or ways to kind of tackle or overcome depression. But if you don't allow yourself to think outside the box, then you only think that where you're at is where you're going to stay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love that. And I love the um, story of your journey. So if you don't mind, if I shift this conversation a little bit, how did this journey lead you to your awesome blog and business that you're starting called Gold Digger? And if you don't mind explaining what Gold Digger is to you and how you just came to, I mean, I'm just so excited for it to be fully launched. So I am hearing more about it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, Well, so when I was in grad school, I would always call myself a gold digger. I would just go around and say to my uh, colleagues, I'd say, I'm a gold digger. I'm a gold digger. Because they would always tell me, Gabby, you are so encouraging. You're always just giving such positive affirmations towards people. You're always seeing the best in others. You're always just adding value to people wherever you go. You just light up the room. Like that's just what my friends would say um, that, that I went to school with. And also I was kind of the class clown. Like I was always cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so the, I just, so when they would say that, I was like, you know what? Like I'm a, it's cause I'm a gold digger. Like I just pull out the value in other people. I just see the wealth and the value in everybody else. And even in any situation, 
I'm always, I always have the ability to say, you know what, there's something I can learn from this. Um, when I was growing up with my mom, you know, on and off single mom, there was this one Christmas where we went to my church and they always did this um, Christmas giveaway for, for um, families um, that weren't able to afford gifts for their kids. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, girl, you better go in there and get a gift out of the, uh, you know, the gift exchange line. And I was like, no, like, that's okay. I, I have everything that we need. And my mom's like, I may not be able to buy you a Christmas gift this year. Like, you better go and get a gift. And I just remember thinking, and I was like probably eight or nine. And I just remember thinking, I'm just so blessed. And I just have, I just have everything I need and probably more blessed than many. So I don't need anything. And that was like, that was my mindset at eight, nine years old, just really feeling like I was already just filled to the brim with love and, you know, just wealth. So I kind of have always had that type of mindset of like, there's just more than enough. There's, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and all that. So I, um, no matter what situation I've ever come up against where, I mean, I've had a lot of trials and experiences that have not been fun, but anytime I have something that's difficult, I always say, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? Instead of being angry or upset, what can I learn from this? And so that is really what's called a growth mindset. But a gold digger is really just having a growth mindset. It's also being someone that is mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. And so in my, in my content of Gold Digger, I really teach people how to dig for the wealth within themselves that's going to increase the value of their life and their relationships. I talk about how we have to be able to sift through the debris in our lives to be able to find the gold. And so I have like a six-week or a six-week like e-course that I'm developing that takes you through the debris in our lives, which the D stands for disorder, E is for expectations, B is for background relationships, I is for insecurities, and S is for societal norms. So we've got to be able to sift through all of that stuff before we can actually find the value. And then once we find the value that we have, then we're able to take it and apply it to the world around us to increase the wealth. So that's really the premise of gold digger. And I'm hoping to have a community of gold diggers of people that feel that they want to go around and share the wealth and increase value. That sounds so awesome. And I love that, that debris acronym. I have to, I have to make sure I have that somewhere and remember that. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a, been a long time in the making. Um, I started writing in 2017 mm-hmm. and uh, I, for a second there, I, I finished it in about in the beginning of 2018. I had my editor write work on it and he goes, this isn't a book. This is a blog. So mm-hmm. I stopped it and I was like, okay, let me rethink my process now. Cause I thought it was a book and I thought I was done. Now if it's a blog and e-courses, that's a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I like, and this is a part of the creative process and I can understand creative cause I am one, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it really did stop me for a while. And I, I feel like I kind of went into like a little season of depression for a little while because with creatives, when we, there's like this huge battle that goes on where it's like, I'm so amazing. Look at me go. Like, you know, like the ego. And then there's like the, oh my gosh, like this sucks. Like nobody's going to understand it. (laughs) So there's like this constant struggle back and forth of like, oh, you know, just trying to figure out. And at some point we got to launch, you know, our, our, our into the world. Um, And so 
I think that I've kind of have found myself in that process of like, okay, is it ready to go? Is it ready for the world to experience? Oh, wait, no, it needs to be refined more. Oh, no, it sucks. Oh, no, it sounds like everything that everybody else has put out there. So even though I'm a therapist, I still have those those struggles internally of like, you know, is this ready? Is it going to be received well? But um, I have decided that I, I want to do it as a book and then also go ahead and do it as e-courses as well because I think it'll be more beneficial for people to actually have a tangible book to be able to work through the, the curriculum and they could always do it over and over again, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at in that process. <laughs> I love that. And I love that idea that just like, you know, I mean, writing a book is seen as creative, but I don't think a lot of people see that process of this is my ideas. I have to put my ideas out on paper. You know, I have to reword them in a way that makes sense. And then even making an e-course where it's teachable, I, you know, teaching is creative in the way that you teach and the way that you express and being a speaker. And so all those things that people might take for granted that they do all the time as a creative process. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a question for you. Oh, sure. (laughs) In regards to, you know, just kind of as we've been talking about the theme of creativity, um, how do you, like, what's your creative outlet? Oh, that's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) I would say mine is music and writing. I find that I have just been recently diagnosed with anxiety. And so which I've probably okay. been on for a while. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like what I what I do is just I write everything down and then mm-hmm. once I realize what I've written out and read it, I'm like, oh, that sounds false. Because <laughs> you know that uh. anxiety is like, oh, you know, you're reinforcing these thoughts that have no factual basis. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna write it all down. And then when I go back and read it, I'm like, well, there's no way this is true. And so then I put it into what is true. And so for me, it's always I write down what I'm thinking and then I write down what actually is and compare it. So my thing is always to do writing. And then I always find myself writing lyrics of music out of what's true. Yeah. I love that. That is (laughs) incredible wow i love it I, I like the idea too with with anxiety um it's it's really interesting because um a lot of times anxiety is like the fear of the unknown and one of the things i can actually give you for free <laughs> is um one of the things i do with clients is i draw like a circle like i'll have a piece of paper and i'll draw a circle and uh the circle is not going to take up most of the page so it'll probably take up like i don't know maybe an A's of the page, but you draw a circle in the middle mm-hmm. and in the circle, you write what I can control. And then on the outside of the circle, you write what I can't. And when you start to realize like all the things that you can't control, it kind of gives you a little bit more permission mm-hmm. to be like, you know what? I, I can't, I can't control the people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I can't control how someone responds to my, my art. I can't control how someone who's going to listen to my podcast or I can't control, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, um, I, I, that's helped. It's been helpful. And with, with anxiety too, getting things out from your head onto paper really, really is such a great way of 
being able to visually see what it is that you're actually that's, that's actually consuming your mind. Absolutely. Um, of course. I girl, I get the oh anxiety. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I oh my goodness. That is oh. And it, it, it's it's so hard because people will look at you and think you look fine. And you're like, I, I don't feel fine. <laughs> and that's, that's a part of like, it's a mental illness. And I just remember personally, when I got diagnosed with it, anxiety and depression back in 2011, I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like I, I felt, I felt crazy because I looked fine, but I didn't feel fine. And then it was called a mental illness. Mm-hmm. It just, Oh, that's, that's, that's where that stigma comes in. But I'm super passionate about the, like destigmatizing like mental health, because it's so important that we take care of our mental health and that we realize like anxiety is way more common and prevalent than we ever give it credit for. You know, like we live in a society where we have a very unstable job, like economy right now with jobs, and we live in a, a, a age full of social media where we have access to people's lives 24-7. It's high on comparison. You know, just the, the expectations of others. And it's just, it's a lot of stuff to juggle. And then crippling student loan debt. I mean, there's a lot of things that could really cause us to worry and stress. So I hope that people would be more open to understanding that there's nothing wrong with going and figuring out what's going on like mentally so that you can get the correct help absolutely i love that thank you for sharing mm-hmm. of course and now we're going to jump into our bonus round which i'm excited for every single time but i always have to tell people <laughs> that, time that it's these questions are broad they're a little wide and that's purposeful, so just answer to your best ability. No one's expecting yeah, of course. right or wrong answer. Sure. All right. So the first question is, what was your Adichie moment? And that's the moment when you realize you could contribute back positively to the world. Huh. I would say, such a great question. <laughs> um, I would probably say, this is interesting, but when I was going through the worst of my anxiety and depression in college, I, while it was probably the lowest part of like time of my life, I was in and out of hospitals, like, because I would not accept the diagnosis. Every time I would go to a different doctor, they would say anxiety. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I literally feel like I'm dying. Like, you don't understand. Like my body is shutting down on me. What the heck? So, but I had best friends that I met in college that were there for me every single day, just just constantly just helping me through the process. Um, and even in the midst of my darkest moments, I still held my, my head high and I had faith that I was going to be healed. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally am a believer in Jesus. And so I was just like, I know like Jesus is going to heal me. God's going to heal me. Um, and my friends said that they, their faith was actually inspired more and seeing me go through that process because I never, ever, like, I never gave up. And I always knew that I was going to be better. So I think that in, in seeing my vulnerability, like my friends seeing my vulnerability and that brought them closer 
just in their faith, Mm -hmm. I realized like, wow, this is the key. If I can just continue to be vulnerable in my strengths, I feel like that is the best way to really help others. And so even as like a therapist, I always feel the importance to be vulnerable with, you know, within reason, like with my clients, like I never want to come off as I have it all together. I'm this perfect person that is a struggle. That's just not me. That's awesome. And then the second one is, what do you think the biggest social justice issue is of our time right now? Oh, social social justice issue. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this is going to be such a therapy, like a therapist response. <laughs> I would say our biggest social justice issue right now is people trying to hold on to what we call in therapy taken for granted truth. So a taken for granted truth is basically how I see the world is the tr- is true for everybody else. And so what's going on is so many people find an issue that they personally feel so strongly about. And then if they meet someone that doesn't feel so strongly about that particular thing, then they start assuming things about them. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they, or if they, yeah. And so, and that just creates a lot of tension. And I feel like we need to really be more curious about other people's stories and um, ask more questions instead of making more assumptions because our, there's so much polarization that's going on in our world right now that um, is creating way more division and more um, pain than it needs to. So I think that everybody is going to be wired differently and everybody is going to feel more like more passionate about certain like different people are going to have different passions for different things and that's great because if we were all so passionate about just one particular thing then I feel like there'd be so many areas left untouched so it's okay that one person feels so strongly about immigration and it is okay that you know someone else is is very passionate about LGBTQ rights and it is okay that someone else feels so strongly about you know, healthcare. And I think that that's perfectly fine. Or, you know, like uh, systemic racism. I mean, I think all these issues are super important and we need people at the forefront of all of these issues. And we just need to value the fact that, that not everybody may be on the same train in the sense of jumping on that bandwagon, but that's okay. If they go and tackle another issue, then that's great too, because we can't all be fighting every single issue, if that makes any sense. It does, absolutely, I love that. And I think that's so awesome because I feel like I've said something very similar on my platform where it's like, you have to choose because if you try to tackle everything, then you're gonna get overwhelmed. And then if you're overwhelmed, you're not gonna get anything solved. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the third question is to call yourself out because <laughs> the whole point of ignorance conscious is to be conscious of your own ignorance so that there's um, a social justice issue that you don't understand or just something that you know you're ignorant about that you could learn more about. Ooh, that's a great question to call myself out. What is an area that I feel like I could learn more about? I mean, there's so many, like, I'm like, which one do I pick? <laughs> <laughs> because um, nobody's perfect and everybody, you know, has areas of growth. So I'm trying to think of one, you know, I will say one time I had a really good conversation with one of my kids at St. Jude's Ranch. Uh, these kids are in the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I realized that my approach had to change with these kids because it can't be the motivational, like, I believe in you, you can do better because one of my kids, um, he had, he was living um, in the inner city and was getting into lots of trouble and hanging out with the wrong crowd and all that kind of stuff. And so I just said to him like, Hey, you know, when you go back, you know, back home, like, what can you do differently? Like, how can you be a leader in your, your community? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, people actually get killed for doing good where I come from. And I was like, wow. And he looked at me and he said, you know, it's not easy being a black male in 2018. I mean, this is a 15 year old kid saying this to me and I am, I'm personally, I'm mixed. So I will say one of the things that like an area of privilege that I'm aware of is the fact that when people look at me, they don't always know what I am, but I, I am, I'm biracial actually multiracial. I've got all kinds of things going on, but I've not lived the, you know, like African-American experience. And so I, I mean, like, I don't know what that's like, you know? And so as he, he shared that with me, I was like, wow, that's powerful. Tell me more about that. And he was just saying like, you know, we don't like what he was saying from where he was raised. He's like, most people don't expect to make it to 18 years old. So what they're trying to do is like what from where what he's trying to say is what what his community is trying to do is they're just trying to survive. They're trying to take care of each other. And it really flipped my perspective from like, oh, this is like a troubled teen that like is getting into trouble and making bad choices to like this kid is in survival Mm -hmm. and this is all he knows. And he was like, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to go back and like be, you know, like Martin Luther King and try to like change my my culture. Like, I I can't promise that I'm going to do that. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. And that's super honest. And I had so much more respect for him for that. Mm-hmm. So it really shifted my perspective because it's like someone's environment really does have a huge impact on how they experience and how they behave in the world. Yeah. Because I was in a conference just this past week where we were talking about, we were talking about MLK and someone piped up and was like, yeah, well, MLK was only loved after he was dead. You know, he had to die first. Wow. Actually start listening to him. And I was like, oh, wow. Someone told me the other day, like, the same thing about Jesus. Like, no one was listening to till after he died. And so that idea that you can be trying to spread so much wealth and so much good and that you'll never mm-hmm. know what will come from it. So I, I love that idea of just looking at how that message is being spread to children. Hmm. I love that. Wow. That's so powerful. Wow. It's kind of like the idea of being like a martyr. And I mean, and just thinking about like freedom isn't free and how many, um, you know, veterans gave their lives for us to be where we are, you know, now. And people don't really, we don't always think about how much sacrifice people have gone before us to get us to where we are now. So that is really powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. No, I mean, I was just sharing someone else's thoughts, but that, that hit me. It made me. But I, I love that you, yeah, I love that you shared that. Okay. And then to flip that question on its head, what are common ignorances that you see people around you have that you want to work to educate people on? Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, okay, I've heard, it's so funny. For me personally, I don't really ever get political on people. I, uh, 
I don't feel the need to like argue with people about certain things because I realize that your truth does not make my truth invalid. <laughs> like you can have needs and I can have needs that exist at the exact same time. So I, I'm comfortable in that space. But, you know, I've seen a lot of people that will want to try to like engage in just heated discussions like on Facebook and social media or just, you know, trying to ask a question and trying to dig for a response so that they could just rebuttal you. And I'm like, come on, like, can we like, can we like get a better hobby around here? Like to not like, what is your point? Like, instead of trying to create a lot of tension and um, share videos without doing our research, how are we being a, a part of the solution? Because if you're just going out there, you know, yapping and spreading rumors and not actually doing your research or whatever, then you're really just a part of the noise. You're not a part of the solution. And so I think that people need to really start to take a step back about certain things that they, maybe they feel so strongly on and really figure out how they're going to cultivate solutions versus just being jumping on the bandwagon. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and then the last one to wrap us out is going to be to shout out a person that's helped you along your personal journey and then yourself so that all of our listeners know where to find you and all your future awesome oh. things with Gold Digger. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, someone did that. Somebody that's helped me. Oh my goodness. I have Oh my gosh. Uh, I wish I had like time to prepare this answer. Oh my goodness. There are so many people. I'm just so, so, so thankful. Well, you know what? I will say that I am thankful for both my parents mm -hmm. in the sense that they taught me a lot of what not to do. And for that, I'm very thankful and grateful. Um, I'm thankful for having my mom who had made, you know, quite quite a bit of her own um, choices but I will say it's made me the person that I am today like I would not be who I am my mom's always supported me and my creative gifts and talents and and my dad is incredibly creative and while he was you know mentally emotionally and spiritually abusive like I mentioned earlier um, my dad has also been very supportive of my creative expression as well and he paid for me to do a lot of recording in the studio and um, he's a photographer and interior designer like fashion like he's so great with fashion so my dad's like just super creative both my parents mm -hmm. um and so I'm just very thankful for just this the unique challenges that I had experienced growing up and how it shaped me into the person that I am today I think that in gold digging it's important to find the wealth and even trials because gold has to go through fire to be purified and so I feel like if I would have had any other upbringing I wouldn't be who I am today so I am very thankful for that yeah, and then in order to find me on my Instagram, it's just my first and last name. So Gabrielle, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, and then last name is Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. Um, and then on Facebook, it's my full name, Gab Gabrielle Monique Burton. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And then I see clients at Lake Mead Wellness Center in Henderson, Nevada, and and then St. Jude's Ranch for Children, so. Awesome, and thank you so much for speaking to me, Gabrielle. This has been an awesome conversation. Of course. You have so much wisdom that I'm glad I was able to tap into. Oh, thank you. I appreciate 
I appreciate your patience with me and your pursuit and persistence of getting me on this show. I'm just so honored to be able to be a part of all of the greatness that you're creating. Thank you. All right, thinkers, that's going to be it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again to Gabrielle for coming on and talking to us. You were so awesome to talk to and to learn from and just a joy to be around. So that was awesome. And if you want to check out more of Gabrielle, I'll be leaving her Gold Digger website down below, as well as links to her social medias. She just started a podcast that you can also listen to, so I will link that down below as well if you just want to hear more of her, because who wouldn't? And just a couple of updates on Ignorance Conscience. We did finally, I am so sorry it took so long, guys, but we finally did launch our February printable for Black History Month. I will leave that link down below if you want to join in. It's a part of my Rise Up in Journal series where I create printables for you guys so that you can learn new things, but then also hopefully, like we talked about today, channel that creativity into processing some of these things. So this printable for Black History Month is I chose the theme Black and More. And so a lot of times people find Black to be a stigmatizing and constrictive label and I wanted to change that and show you guys leaders from the past who have been black and more. So the theme is black and educated for week one, black and LGBT for week two, and then black and feminist for week three. And then in all three weeks, you look at four different leaders who have been black and more in their category. And just there, there's a lot of people who have done first. So like the first black person to get a college degree, the first black person to get a PhD, um, the first black person to start a school. There's also a couple of um, just standing out people who have, you know, used their creativity and their different identities to expand the world of what it means to be black. So just some awesome leaders that most people haven't learned about in their history textbooks. So if that sounds interesting to you, please jump in and join the challenge. I will leave the printable link down below. And remember, just for whatever you create, whether it's a song or a poem or a drawing or a painting or just some type of creative journaling, make sure you take a picture and either share it to our Facebook group, Conscious Thinkers, or share it on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag RiseUpInJournal so that we can all see what you have done and share in our community. Other than that, if you want to check out more of me, all of my written work is on www.ignoranceconscious.com and you can find me on Instagram at ignoranceconscious and Twitter at stayigconscious. And until I talk to you again, I'm praying for your peace, love, and justice. And remember, the only person who can silence you is you. So be conscious and rise up. Go get to work. Mm -hmm.